Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. Well, I'm so excited to have with us on the Werrell Prayer Network call today, Esther Nordemir. Esther Nordemir is from, she's Dutch, uh, she's from the Netherlands. She is a farmer. She and her husband farm. Uh, you're going to find out she's more than just a farmer. She's also a preacher. So let's just go right to Esther and welcome her and find out about who she is. And then I want to ask her questions about the uprising, the Dutch farmers protests that have been taking place and see if we as Americans can understand exactly what's going on there. Esther Nordemir, we welcome you to the World Prayer Network. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much, uh, Jim, for being a uh... In your show, um, yes, you hoped uh, to see also another one, but uh, it's just me now. <laughs> no, thank you so much for being on. Let me just ask you first of all a little bit about uh, you've lived all your life in the Netherlands, I assume. Yes, I'm a real uh, Dutch woman. <laughs> and you're you're married and have children. Yes, I'm married. We have five children. I have family in America, by the way. There are much Dutch people in America, and also my family is for a part there. I have their ooh, 12 cousins and nieces, two uncles and uh, aunts, so there's family. Oh, very good. Now, you uh, you farm and you have uh, milk cows. Uh, how, many, how many cows do you have right now? We have 70 to 75 cows with uh, everything together so the milking ladies and the young ladies is all your land in pasture or do you have some crops uh some crops some tillage as well do you have corn or wheat or no, we are a, we are a real grazing farm you call that a grazing farm so we do not like america you feed the cows very much uh, corn but in the Netherlands, it's uh, completely normal not to give that. And we are a grazing farm. We feed them only grass. Uh, okay, very good. And uh, you also, in addition to farming, you are a preacher. How did you become a preacher? Yes, uh, that's a long story, but I can also tell it very shortly. <laughs> um, I became a preacher because uh, God called me to do that. But I grew in it. I always um, gave st Bible study in groups. Uh, it it, it uh, started small for women only because when I started speaking in the evangelical meetings, uh, you can do that to women and not to men. But meanwhile, we are 15 years further. And now I uh, preach, in fact, everywhere and also in churches and sabbatical churches, but also an evangelical church. Now I may preach everywhere. <laughs> that is remarkable. Very, very proud of you for what you're doing. Uh, I wish we could ask a lot more questions personally, but I'm going to shift right to the issue of the, the international news recently of the Dutch farmers in protest. Can you shed some light on uh, how did that start? When did that start? And why did it start? Well, it started uh, a few years ago um, with measures taken by the government uh, for protecting our nature. The government says the nature is declining. 
and the debt for declining nature is the presence of uh, um, farms. So the farmers are the one who makes the nature suffering. And they called in an, uh, a nitrogen uh, element. So the nitrogen is too high in nature, they says, and that is because of the cows. And that's why they proposed that the, um, that the cows has to be diminished 50%. So in the Netherlands, for example, when we have 100 cows, it must become 50. So you speak about an, uh, an, uh, in, a decline of your uh, farm with half, with 50%. Well, no farmer can then stand. So that means the end of your business. That's what it means. And well, that started the riots, the, the, the protests. Um, the fact they are, are very angry, these farmers, is because there is from our government very um, few feelings. They say, well, if you are not necessary anymore, you're just going to do something else. It's like you uh, work on a bank and if a bank don't want you anymore, well, then you go work in, a, in the swimming pool. They don't understand that uh, being a farmer is a life and not only a life for yourself, it's also a life for your children and even your grandchildren. So they do not understand the impact of our profession. We do not just have a profession or a business, we have a life. And that's a problem, problem one. And then they, um, yeah, they, they, um, I have to, they, um, they threaten, yes, they threaten us with um, uh, obligation to sell your ground. So uh, your, your property, your land, you can be forced to sell it. Well, that's something that was, um, you know, that feeded the protest very much. That feeded it very much. So that's how we stand. They want the, our land. The, um, the issue about farming is not just an occupation or a profession. It's a, it is a life. I, 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 Esther, you don't know this, but I grew up on a farm. And uh, even though I've been gone from that farm since I was age 21, in my mind, I'm still a farmer by life <laughs> because the uh, I, I so identify with the value, the whole value structure of uh, of farming in the farming world. So I totally understand that personally. I I am really shocked by. I, I knew about the nitrogen that they were forcing. They were they were keeping you from getting nitrogen for fertilizer. For those of you who are not used to farming, you you, you have to put nit nitrogen on to fertilize your soil for, for productivity for crops um, if you don't have enough. And, and so I knew about that. I did not know that they demanded you reduce your livestock herds by 50%. And this is the first I've been aware of. They're forcing you to sell the land. Um, tell us more about that one. It's what? not only the nitrogen that they, uh, the, the fertilizer, we may not use very much fertilizer, but still we have. And up till now, the Netherlands had a special, uh, we call it derogation, that's, that we might use fertilizer. 
fertilizer, but our privilege of using more fertilizer than other countries is skipped this year. So we have, we've, um, may not use so much fertilizer anymore, but the, the nitrogen problem is not because of the fertilizer, it's because they say you emit nitrogen and it falls down in the nature and that's why the nature is suffering of your nitrogen. And Hilt, this whole story of nitrogen that we are the, um, uh, making nature suffering is just, the, um, I call it the, um, the deck mantle, the, the cloak, the, the mist where they, okay, go ahead. the cover up, that's the cover up, the nitrogen, because it's meanwhile clear that they want our land. It's not because yeah. of the nature, they want our land. And the Netherlands is very dense populated. It's one of the most populated nations in the world. We have a large immigration. So our government needs our land. And that's possible that you need land. Then you go and sit and negotiate in the table and you pay a price, a, an honest price for land. But they want, of course, have it for, well, for cheap. They want to have it. But that's, that's the situation uh, now that the, the farmers are aware of the fact that makes them very angry. The awareness, it's not about nature or protecting nature. That's the covering. That's the cover up. It's yeah. about our land. And that makes them very angry that they are lied to. They are lied to. Yes. I suspect all everybody listening know that when she used the word nature, she's referring to what we would do here as environment. And uh, a number of years ago, I wrote a book, Esther, called Well Versed, and it lays out the biblical foundations to 30 different political or governmental topics. And one of my touched on was climate control and environmental issues. And uh, I had learned many years before when I was listening to Don Hodel speak. Don Hodel was part of what's called the Secretary of Interior here. And he held one other position on the cabinet. He held two different cabinet positions, uh, maybe energy. I can't remember what the second one was, under President Ronald Reagan. And he was the first word, one person I heard say this. Here was, the, here was the man in charge of the environment. And he honestly said, he said, look, the, the, the radical environmentalists, they're not about save, having clean water, clean air, clean land. We're all for that. They're about changing the way you do government. In other words, about socialism that's like taking control of your property so yes. public private property doesn't exist anymore that's the goal and that's precisely what they're doing because land uh the, the bible has some interesting things to say about the land god values the land i know i know land there's spirit there's something spiritual spiritual yes. theological moral biblical about land god views the land in a particular way that's why even i encourage people if they can to become a homeowner actually have some land uh there's something very valuable in god's sight about the land and so here is a situation where the government is attempting just so we in america understand what's happening in the netherlands the same thing is happening all over the world and that is socialistic governments rising up trying yes. to drive people away from private property so government can have all control of everything and right now it's manifesting control of energy and control of food uh food chain right now 
it's manifesting in a number of ways. Esther, yes, take, I call it the rise of Babylon. In the book yes. of Revelation, Babylon is a um, worldwide system. The, yeah, it's called Babylon, and the kings of the earth have played adultery with Babylon, and the people became drunk of Babylon. So Babylon is a system, and that system wants world control. That's Babylon. I wrote a book about it, the, how Babylon in this, uh, this process plays a big role. And it's not only the governments. We are not really fighting against governments. We are fighting against entities behind those governments who wants world control. There is one who wants to possess the world. That's, in fact, the enemy of God. Only Jesus Christ has rights to rule the world with his father Yahweh, of course. His father Yahweh has the right. And that Satan knows that. So he wants to rule the world. He wants to sit on that place. Uh, Esther, we've gone from Esther the farmer to Esther the preacher right now. I love this. I'm going to have you keep going for a little bit on because as a farmer, there, there's some questions that I had more about the protests themselves. But what you're saying here is so important. Uh, if you would, embellish us a little bit more. The rise of Babylon in the book of Revelation. And the, the, the kings of the earth conspire together. And, and, and the Babylon refers, Babylon, that word is more than a city. It's an actual system. It's, it's a, a system. system of Satan taking control. And in this case, even the land. Can you keep developing that a little bit further? Because this is extremely important, what you're sharing. Well, I'm preaching much about this. When you said that God is, um, in fact, I would say God is emotional about ground, about soil. You have that story of Nabot and Ahab. You know, Ahab wants to have the, 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 the vineyard of um, Nabot. But in the, in the Bible, a property in generation is kind of holy. It's holy. Property, ground, fields in generations. And Nabot said, no, I cannot give my, uh, my vineyard to you because it's from my ancestors, he said. And the Bible acknowledged that. The, the Bible acknowledged that. It, it's also an, uh, a law in Deuteronomy that you may not move the pillar, the, the border of your neighbor's land. That you call it border stones. In the, in the Bible, those are border stones. But in our world, we uh, say just uh, the cadastral, cadastral, um, I think, uh, cadastral borders of the land. In the, in the Bible, that's holy. The property of someone is holy, and especially when it's from ancestors. And then Nabot uh, refused to give it to Ahab. And then his wife has a tremendous good plan. She knows he cannot pick his, uh, she cannot take the land. So she, she made a cover up. She made a cover up. And the cover up was Nabot uh, was uh, doing blasphemy. And that cover up makes that David was killed. Now, I see all this nitrogen is the cover-up of Ahab and Isabel to grip, to grasp your land. And then you uh, come to something that's holy. 
ownership is holy in God's sight. This is really important. Uh, here's what she's quoting First Corinthians. I'm sorry. She's quoting First Kings, Kings. 21, Naboth's, Naboth's vineyard when Ahab wanted. So verse uh, chapter 21, sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden since it's close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it's worth. The neighbor said, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. In other words, he's saying this is sacred. So Abath went home stolen and angry because Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. He lay on his bed sulking and refused to eat. He's a powder. Yeah. And this, now we, at this point, Jez, Jezebel comes in. She gets involved. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and she takes action. Uh, Naboth is killed and they, they, take, they take the vineyard. It's uh, very interesting that Ahab, he offers him a bag of money. You read it. He offers him a bag of money. He says, I give you everything you want. And our government has a big bag of money for the farmers who want to sell their property to them. So I think a lot of farmers will be persuaded to, to, um, yeah, to admit to that money. It's exactly the same. We are persuaded by a big bag of money. It's so interesting, this story. Yes, absolutely. So uh, anything more you want to say biblically, scripturally, as it relates to either Babylon or the story of Ahab and Jezebel and Naboth in the vineyard in 1 Kings 21 or any other thing scripturally? I'm going to later ask some more questions about the protests themselves, but you're on a roll here and I don't want to stop you because this is this is this is sacred because we're covering the word of God and its application of this. I have another story in the Bible. That is the story of Daniel. He was in a Babylonian, he was in an occult government. He has his position there. That's very a powerful man, Daniel. He was in an, an, um, uh, a, a paganism, in fact. And he worked for that government, Daniel. And his uh, colleagues became jealous, uh, jealous on them because he was better than him. And then exactly the same happens at what Isabel did. They needed a cover-up to get rid of him. So they went to the, the king and they didn't say the truth. They didn't say, well, we are yielders about Daniel and we want him to, um, we want you to kill him because he's better than us and we are yielders. No, of course, they cannot do that. So they cover it up and they said, um, oh, great king, please bring out this new law. And in that new law, it's prohibited to pray against any god. And well, this uh, dumb, <laughs> stupid king uh, admitted with a new law. So the new law was brought out. And with this new law, they could finish their evil plan and this is what you see in all western countries i call it the trick of the satrape the the, the satrape is in the uh, 
I don't know what is in English. The, the, the trick of the, the ministers, when you want to reach something, make a new law. And with that new law, you provide yourself to do evil. And in a country where, um, where we have lost the feeling with Torah, we have lost the feeling with the rules of God. We are a separated woman from God. We are. And in such a country, new laws are made to facilitate unrighteousness. They facilitate unrighteousness. And that's what they did with Daniel. First make a law. And then with, the, with backing of the law, you can get him. That's what we see in Western countries. In, in fact, we see it in the Netherlands. We make new laws and with this new law backing, backing up, they can um, facilitate unrighteousness. They can facilitate sin even. That's what happens. Is the, um, this is happening. This is totalitarian authoritarianism that is happening globally all over the globe. Are you, uh, do you see across the European Union, your neighboring countries in Europe, are you seeing the same types of things happen? Yes, yes. We are not alone. Well, that, that is an, um, an um, con that consoles us. We are not alone, but it makes me more, um, well, it's really the pit. We are, we are uh, moving into Babylon. And I think we can, what says the Bible? We cannot stop Babylon because it will come. It will come. But we can slow it down. We can by protesting and by having righteous persons. I know you work with officials uh, over the whole world. And everywhere there are Daniels. Everywhere are Daniels. But this Daniel could not stop the Persian um, the, the Persian regime to fall down by the, the Persians are, are um, by the native Persian, the, the, the Greek, after the Persians came the Greek. So this Daniel was in function, but he could not stop the Persian regime to fall down, but he was there on his position to slow down. And I think what the process where we are in now is a winning of time. The winning of time so that we can prepare, we can reorganize because Babylon is really coming. We cannot stop it, but we can slow the we can slow it down. It's too big for us. There is one who will put it down at the end. Of course, Babylon will fall. Revelation is proclaiming this. Babylon will fall and not only fall, it will completely be destroyed. But before it will be, be destroyed, it will do his work. It will do his work. And we have to reorganize. What do you count? Go, go further on that one right there, Esther. What do you counsel? We're, we're, we, I think the phrasing used, we can't necessarily stop it. We can, we can slow down evil and we have to reorganize. Can you, can you take us a step farther? And what you, you're, you're, you're talking to a group of people right now on the World Prayer Network who are right where you're at. They hear what you're saying. They're discerning people. What, what spiritually can be and should we be doing in this moment? 
when we're seeing this rise of the spirit of Babylon uh, all over the globe and in our country as well. It's a question where I am thinking much about uh, reorganizing means that what I see is that on one hand, God is also using Babylon. He's also using it like he used Babylon in uh, to punish Israel. You know, Babylon was, he even called Babylon his servant. He even did that to punish the, the 10 tribes, the northern tribes. No, uh, sorry, Judah, the southern tribes. So God uses Babylon first to, uh, to shift, to bring, uh, to bring about which side are you? And after that, Babylon worked for God. After that, it is punished himself because it goes further than he was allowed. You see that every time in the Bible, God uses evil to shift and the evil is going further than was admitted. So it will be punished. You even see it with the devil. It's so, so interesting. At the end of the millennium, I know, I think your uh, hearers will know what the millennium is. The, 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 yes, the, yes. the millennium. At the yes. end, the devil, the devil will be released for a short time, it says. So it has to work for a while. And what the devil is going to do at the end of the millennium is shifting the nations who rises up against the holy, uh, the, the holy uh, place in Jerusalem and who is not rising up. So the devil is shifting. That's his work. And after he has done that, he will be punished and be thrown into the pit of fire that, that, that burns from brimstone and so on. So he is first used. And that's an idea that's so difficult for us because Babylon now this 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 global this global organizations and this uh, this uh, how you call this in English uh, you have the globalist it is first used by God it's first it uses God uses this to to shift and that's why we have to reorganize I even think that the institute church i don't speak about believers from the ground the people you and me but the institute church god is breaking it down god is breaking this down and we have to reorganize and that's happening worldwide they are reorganizing that i, I got folks i just want to tell you something here I was I was pursuing somebody else for this interview. Esther knows that, uh, and so we were we were making. I even middle of the night called the Netherlands. Esther had given me a phone number, so middle of the night I got up and I tried her too. But Esther, you you were ordained to be on this. I cannot tell you how important what you're saying is right now. I was going to ask some more questions about the specifics of the Dutch farmer protest. I'm not going to ask that. This is too sacred a moment. You are giving a word from the Lord. I don't know if you ever call yourself a prophet, but folks, we're listening to a prophet right now. And this is a prophetic warning. I don't know how many times it has to be said to us. 
We have to reorganize. He just even said the institutional church, the way we've known institutional Christianity, we're in a paradigm shift. I can't tell you exactly what it's going to look like on the other side. I don't, I don't know, but I see churches and church conferences, for example, denominational church conferences, mm -hmm. where they have the meetings and they cover the exact same thing like they did the last 50 years, last hundred years, not realizing we are in a we are an existential crisis. Yes, we and are. They have to do things radically different. The Church of Jesus Christ is about to be reformulated. Our functional ecclesiology is going to be scriptural and biblical. That won't change. But something, a major seismic shift is on its way. And discerning people all know it. And uh, it troubles my spirit as one who sees it coming that much of institutional Christianity is not recalibrating to what is about to hit us. And so, uh, Esther, if there's anything more you want to say on that one, go ahead and stay on the topic. Go ahead and say it. That this is a vitally important what you're sharing right now. Well, you're preparing I, some hearts. I preached about this um, a few weeks, uh, no, a few days ago, about the prophet Habakkuk. And Habakkuk, I feel what he sees. Habakkuk is seeing in a vision that Babel is coming. He is seeing it in a vision and it troubles him very much. And it is uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babel. So that's the Old Testament Babylon. But in the New Testament, it's Babylon. It's the same because the gods don't die. It are the same gods from the Old Testament are the same gods that's coming back in our countries, in the Western country, because we leave God. Habakkuk says, oh Lord, how long shall I cry? It's Habakkuk 1 verses 2. I read from New King James Version. Habakkuk 1 what? Habakkuk 1 verses 2. Okay. And then Habakkuk feels desperate. Seeing coming this Babylon. And I also see Babylon coming. And what he writes here, I feel. I feel this too. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry? I cried many tears for what I have seen coming. And you will not hear, even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contentions arises. Therefore, the law is powerless. The law is powerless. And justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. That's exactly what I see. And then in verse 12, he says something, and oh, it's so difficult for us. It's so difficult. He says, oh, Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. Babylon is appointed for judgment, O rock. You have marked him for correction. This is so difficult, but it's the way God works. He uses evil for shifting. And then Habakkuk, at the end, he sees that there is no, okay, we can delay. We, we can make it come slower. Yes, we can, but it will come. 
And then he says to his Lord, well, it must come. It's, it's chapter three, verses two. And it says something like this. Oh, Lord, I have heard your speech and I was afraid. Oh, Lord, receive your work in the midst of the years. That's a, a, a pronouncement. In fact, uh, Habakkuk says, if it must happen, let it happen. If it must happen, let it happen. And then he says something that's so touchy. In wrath, remember mercy. You see what he asked to his Lord? He says, oh Lord, I see this is inevitable. It will come. And when it comes, it has to come. But in wrath, remember mercy. Be mercy on us. You have the right to punish, but be mercy on us. And then that famous, you, you know this song, that famous song, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fall, and the flocks may be cut off the, the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. He says this, and there will be no herd in the stalls. I will rejoice in the Lord, the rock of my salvation. So Habakkuk knows there is only one thing left. That's my Lord. There will be nothing else. It's our Lord. And God uses Babylon and at the end he will punish Babylon. So you want to develop that any further? I, I'm going to have you go into prayer in a moment. It's pretty sobering what you're saying. God is going to use Babylon. Um, we're watching that happen before our eyes. Yes. We're watching the judgment come upon us. Uh, if not judgment, it's certainly discipline. It's a very strong discipline, if not judgment itself. Um, anything more you want to add to what you're saying? Continue right on if you want to. Uh, in a moment, we're going to go have you lead in prayer. Yes, I think prayer, prayer is, is, is really important and fine. We have within a few weeks here in the Netherlands, we have a return morning weekend. It's organized for the whole country. And that's very special that this also happens in the Netherlands. And uh, a weekend of morn. And in every capital of every province, there will be people praying and mourning uh, over our land and that's a Dutch initiative national initiative and I'm really glad with uh, this uh, initiative maybe after prayer I will tell um, something about because God is calling us to go out Babylon you know the text go out of her my people go out of her God is calling us and I'm very often thinking about how can we leave Babylon? How can we? It's such a totalitarian system. How can we? And those are still question marks, but I'm also already preaching the first things I know about how leaving uh, Babylon. Do you have this full sermon recorded on video in English? No, uh, Jim, I am um, a small woman and I preach everywhere and they stream me. So Jack in Den Haag have very good streams of my preachings. 
I have held uh, uh, several preaching that were really um, revelations for myself at first, but for the people secondly. And um, I, so, some people already asked, please translate her preachings, please translate. And it doesn't, that's not happened up till now, the translation of my sermons. Because in Den Haag by Jim, they are really professionally, uh, it's very professional. The, the video and the PowerPoint, I always used very good PowerPoints. They do that, but it's not translated in English. Well, we will, we will try to work with your schedule, have you come back on the World Prayer Network and turn you loose to preach in English and record that and then send that across the country. But we'll talk about that uh, later. I'm so thankful to Jack Vandertang in The Hague, the Netherlands, who connected me with you. I so appreciate, Esther, your insight, your spiritual grasp, uh, what your, your, the revelation that God is showing you in this moment. And we need to hear from you a lot more. This is a divine connection for us. The people on the World Prayer Network will vitally appreciate uh, whatever you want to share. So we will arrange with you on your schedule to, um, to somehow uh, tape a sermon with you preaching in English. So we can, uh, I, I think it's a very strong word that America needs as well right now. And I suspect many other countries as well. I so want to keep asking you questions, but instead I'm going to refrain myself. And there's a lot more pe questions I had specifically on the, 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 the truck, the uh, farm protest, the farmers protest there in the Netherlands. But I think this is too sacred a moment to go into that, that we need to go directly into prayer. Would you lead us in prayer for the Netherlands, for Europe, uh, for America? and the nations of the world. Take your time leading us in prayer. Dear Father, our God, with your holy name, Yahweh, creator of the world, creator of the nations, creator of all life, we honor you. All life belongs to you. And we, Father, you gave us your commandments, you gave us your Torah, you gave us your laws to govern in righteousness. And our country, the Netherlands, but I see it also in other European countries, we have left your holy standard and we put in place our own thoughts our own standards, and we think we can do it better than that you provided for us. Lord, we have deeply fallen away from your truth. We are a separated woman, and you see us as a separated woman. Lord, have mercy in your wrath upon us. I know, Lord, that you are in your rights to Correct us to discipline us. Have mercy in your wrath. I pray for the coming um, intercessions in the Netherlands when we go and walk in all uh, cities and provinces to mourn about 
the black sliding of our hearts and the black sliding of our society. And especially when I think about America with her very good um, uh, laws, the constitution, the constitution of America, their forefathers were fearing people, God-fearing people. That's why the constitution of America is special. It comes close to your Torah. But now, Lord, even America is blacksliding very, very hard. What will come of this country? Be also merciful for your country, the United States of America. I thank you, Lord. You have put people in every place, on high places, in governments. There are always everywhere Daniels. Protect your Daniels. Bless your Daniels everywhere where they are. And give your own people the power to overcome this period. Give them the power to intercess. Give them the power to prepare and give them their insight, their insight in what we are dealing with. Oh, Lord, our God, if it were not you, where would we find our way? You have words of everlasting life. To whom would we go? You have words for everlasting life. And we bow our heads before you, King of the earth. Prepare us, help us, and make your name famous. Lord, our God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, our Savior. Amen. And Father God, we come to you. We cry out for mercy. We know we deserve judgment. We recognize that discipline is in order. We cry out for mercy. Uh, we repent. We come in a spirit of repentance. We recognize the sin of our nation. We recognize the sin within the church. We recognize the sin within our own lives. We do not deny. We do not try to hide that which is obvious to you. And so we come in the spirit of repentance and brokenness and contriteness of heart. We come to you not merely because we're in a tough situation. We come to you because we do love you. You are our only hope. You are the source of all life and truth. You are life for us. We do not have life outside of you. We can't do really anything on our own except that you would even allow it. You're God and we're not. We acknowledge that. We acknowledge the truth of your word, your ways, your will. We acknowledge that all truth flows out of the Torah, out of Jerusalem, out of your word. There is another, no other source. Uh, the Hague is not the source. The International Court of Justice is not the source. No. The United Nations in Geneva is not the source. The United Nations in New York City is not the source. Washington, D.C. is not our source. Uh, there, there's, there's no other source for authority and truth, ultimately, except you. And so we come to you this moment in a spirit of repentance, in a longing to exalt you in the way we should have been all along as a nation, as churches, as a church, and as individual. Though so even this day, Lord, show us even the steps of repentance. 
we may be dull in our hearing, but we, we still hear your, your mouth still works and our ears still work. We hear you. Hide not your face from us, Lord. We run to you as the rock for protection. I thank you for my sister, Esther. And she truly is an Esther. And we pray for the Esthers and Daniels around the globe, as she just has, to encourage them. Encourage those who are standing. Encourage everyone within the sound of my voice right now in the World Prayer Network who's willing to stand. And even be misunderstood, not merely by the world, but even misunderstood by some of their church friends. They're not understood. They're not grasped. But people can't understand why they're deeply troubled and deeply concerned of the national affairs. But Lord, you, you have raised up these people. We do not know what is ahead for each one of us. We simply run to you for protection. We run to you as the source of all that is good, holy, righteous, beautiful. We put our mind upon you. And we thank you on this day for the reality that we still have. We still have such levels of freedom that we enjoy, at least at this moment. And a liberty that we do not want to abuse. We thank you for it. We thank you for the heritage of in Western Europe and, and across the U.S. and other countries where, where the Christian, Judeo-Christian value structure has, has served as the bedrock of yeah. who we are. And we sincerely ask your forgiveness and repentance. The leaders of our country, our respective countries, have, have, have tried to overthrow everything that was good that you established. Oblivious to the fact that they're bringing destruction upon themselves and upon us and future generations. Lord, may this cry of contriteness somehow touch the heart of God. May it also, in the spirit of repentance, put a shield of protection around us that wards off the evil one. We rebuke the evil one. We renounce you, Satan, and your demonic hordes. We're nothing in ourselves, but we are your covenant children, Almighty God. So based upon the covenant, we turn to you, Satan, and we command you out of our homes, our families, our lives, our health, our finances, our relationships, our national life, our civic life, our churches. We command the demonic forces to retreat and the angelic forces to fill that way. We commission and dispatch in accordance with the word as best we understand it. Angelic forces to go forth, watch over, protect circumnavigate us we don't deserve to even ask for blessings but in the cry for mercy that is blessing we ask for blessings and we ask for the protection of almighty god angelic forces all that is good around us in these perilous days in the name of yeshua hamashiach we pray amen amen Jim, have, do you have a message for the farmers? Uh, coming Sunday afternoon, I will speak, especially for farmers on a field, a grass field. And if the weather is bad, I will speak in a barn. And I, uh, I'm asked to comfort them. I don't know if I can that, but I'm going to try. Can I have a message given by you from America? for them 
the number one, I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. There is something in the sight of God that is precious about the land. He made it. He created it. It was such a big deal to him that the first chapter and the first two chapters of the book record his creation of this earth. We don't need radical environmentalists to tell us to protect the earth. We do it because of our love for the creator. We're not enamored by just the creation, though it's beautiful. We're enamored by our creator. And out of love for our creator, we choose to honor the land. And because of that, we don't take second fiddle in any way to those who would try to uh, try to lecture us on environmental issues. We are the ones who are the environmentalists, biblical environmentalists, because almighty God made it. We, re we revere his name. We worship him. We honor him and we honor that which he makes and that which he creates. And he created the land and he's very protective of the land. If you think of the land of Israel, how incredible protective he is of that. He says, Israel to the Jewish people, I'm going to give you from the Euphrates to the Tigris. Uh, I, I mean, so the Euphrates, I'm sorry, Euphrates to the Nile. That's 300,000 square miles. Uh, David, while he was king, only got about 200,000 square miles, we think. And right now, Israel is 8,100 square miles. It's a tiny fraction of what God said, I'm going to give this land to the Jewish people. It's going to be theirs. And he's going to do it somehow. I don't know how he's going to do it. But he watches over not only his word to, to perform it, he watches over the land that he created. Yeah. And he's going to honor that word. And the Jewish people are going to have from the Euphrates to the Nile someday. Yeah. How? I have no idea. So he watches yeah. that. Now, what's true of Israel is true of he put Israel there in that land to bless the rest of the earth. He cares about the rest of the earth. He cares about its productivity. So encourage the farmers, number one, in that. There's something precious. I even tell real estate agents, when you're selling land, you're not just selling land. This is something that God made. It is special. I had a father whose son was going into real estate. And he heard me just reference this in a private conversation. He said, oh, please call my son right now. Tell him the commissioning that's on him. <clears throat> that. Now, that's number one. Now, number two is they're standing against, as you already alluded to, they're standing against an evil force that's global. This is a global phenomenon. And yeah. so this is not, this has nothing to do in our country with the Republican versus Democrat or right versus left. It's right versus wrong. It's good versus evil. It's God versus Satan. Make yeah. sure the farmers understand, even those who might see themselves as secularists and are non-regenerate, that in spite of what they may perceive about the gospel or the Bible or God or whatever, they are actually in a spiritual war and God is using them like he did the Canadian truckers and like he yeah. did the protest around the globe when people tried to, the government is coercing us to put things in our bodies we don't want to put. The, 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 the Dutch farmer uprising is a spiritual phenomenon that even the unregenerate that are participating in it are participating in working a, a, a rise for righteousness even if they themselves are not personally righteous. Yes, yes. I don't know a nicer way to phrase that, but that's the two primary things I would want them to be able to see. Yeah, yeah. I call it the voice of the prophet. 
even when they don't believe, by rising up, you sound the shofar. It's the voice of the prophet. And we have to, because God cannot judge righteousness if there is not spoken before. So there must be spoken before. That's the voice of the prophet. That is so well said. This is a, it's a prophetic movement. Yes. We sense yes. the anointing of God on the Canadian truckers as they rose up against the forces of evil. And this is why the, the Dutch farmers, you know, we, we, I, I need to make clear on this, we never advocate violence at all. We are nonviolent, but we still believe in the rising up and the resistance of that which is evil. Yeah. It's done a number of different ways. It's done by prayer and fasting and declaration of the word of God over the situations of life, but it's also done by actual actions of legitimate civil protest. And that is a God throughout the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, there are many examples, uh, starting with the midwives in Egypt, where they defied civil authority. The, the government, the government, according to Romans 13, is to be the minister of God, diaconos, minister or servant of God. So we, the people, are to make sure that we help the government do what it's supposed to do. That's why there's civil disobedience written into the fabric of scripture. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were there to rise up intentionally, biblically, uh, to rise up against uh, the evil uh, misapplication of governmental principles. Uh, I, I really can't add much because, Esther, you are so eloquent in what you're saying. Uh, my words uh, are very small compared to what you would already say. But those would be some of my thoughts that would come off the top of my head. Well, thank you. I will tell them when well when I'm there uh, on Sunday afternoon, and it will encourage them that there is international attention that all also also encourages them. But um, I thank you for the words, and I will uh, share them. Yes. Well, Esther, we're both farmer preachers, so we understand each other. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.